That's funny because I was like telling people it was Jesus fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's even better. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Sierra Marshall, lover of romance and getting lost in imagined worlds. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving and sometimes heated conversations, then welcome. We are so glad you're here. Whether you want to read one, none, or all of the books that we choose to read, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions on these books on our Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. That's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t on Instagram and TikTok. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week we read Book of Longings by Sue Monk Kidd. Well, Sierra, welcome to uh, another episode of Red Wine Reads. Just so happy to have you here. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yes, this is uh this will be a fun one. This is uh, Book of Longings by Sue Monk Kidd. This I think is an interesting book for both of us to do since we both went to a very Christian uh, university and we both took our uh, Bible 101, Bible 102 uh, classes. Yes. So (laughs) it was kind of fun to see those stories come to life in a different narrative. I think. I thought it was fun. Yes, I I agree. (laughs) Well, awesome. Let's kind of get into a little bit about the book, a little bit about the author, and then we'll kind of dive into what we like, what we didn't, and final writings. So this book pretty much is the premise of what if Jesus had a wife and who would this wife? be and how would she live her life what would she be devoted to and I just think that straight like I I've told people that I was reading this book and I was telling family members and as soon as I said yeah it's if uh if if like Jesus had a wife everyone's like that's so cool I want to read that I'm like I know right (laughs) that's funny because I was like telling people it was Jesus fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah, that's even better. <laughs> so here's here's the actual summary. It says, In this mesmerizing fourth work of fiction, Suman Kids takes an audacious approach to history and brings her acclaimed narrative gift to the imagination of a young woman named Anna. Raised in a wealthy family with ties to the ruler of Galilee, she is rebellious and ambitious. With a brilliant mind and a daring spirit, she engages in a, in a furative sc- scholarly pursuits and writes narratives about neglected and silenced women. Anna is expected to marry an older widower, a prospect that horrifies her. An encounter with an 18-year-old Jesus changes everything. Their marriage evolves with love and conflict, humor, and pathos in Nazareth, where Anna takes home with Jesus, his brothers, and their mother, Mary. Anna's pent-up longings intensify amid the turbulent resistance to Rome's occupation of Israel, partially led by her brother Judas. She is sustained by her fearless aunt Yaltha, who 
who harbors a compelling secret. When Anna commits a brazen act that puts her in peril, she flees to Alexandria where startling revelations and greater dangers unfold, and she finds refuge in unsuspected surroundings. Anna determines her fate during a stunning convergence of events considered among the most impactful in human history. So there you go. Very uh, big, grandiose uh, summary, but that kind of gives you the gist of what it is. So Anna is our main character. She falls in love with Jesus and they get married and they fall in love. So that's pretty much uh, the the gist of this story. Um, Sumon Kidd is actually a very cool author. I didn't realize that she was also the author of The Secret Life of Bees, which I had read a very long time ago. <laughs> and so I, I, I could not tell you what I feel about it, but I think I liked it. I remember liking it a lot. <laughs> uh, so, so we'll have to come back to that one. But she's just a very, very acclaimed author. People love her. She was inducted into the South Carolina Academy of Authors in 2011 in the Georgia Writers Hall of Fame in 2022. She's absolutely killing it. And also her first novel was The Secret Life of Bees. Very impressive. You can't you can't ask for anything better to uh, land land a best a New York Times bestseller as your first novel selling over eight million copies worldwide. <laughs> she's winning. Oh, she's winning 100%. It's so uh, Book of Longings was published in 2020, right in April of 2020. So kind of a tough go, but it um, really just like people really liked it. I think it was a, interestingly enough, a really great novel to have during that time. And I just remember I had so many friends from Point Loma, from where we went to college, just reaching out to me and being like, have you read this? Have you read this? It's like so good. And I was like, I have not, but uh, I'll eventually get to it. And we finally eventually got to it. And um, it's so far living up to the hype that I think it was getting. Yeah, I did have some friends who also read it. Yeah. What did they think of it? I heard from my friend, our other, our mutual friend was reading it. And I was like, that's a really interesting concept that I've never like thought about. Or I mean, in all actuality, would we actually know if Jesus was married or not. I don't know. That's a really good point to bring up. Obviously, this is fiction, so it wasn't Anna. But if it were someone, um, would we even know if that happened? No, it's so interesting. Like that last chapter where it's just like, and I put all these scrolls in and this place and like, maybe they'll find it. Maybe they won't. And like, they didn't really talk about Anna during, you know, Jesus left to go do, cause he felt like he needed to follow John the Baptist that really needed to carry out this message. And he got all the disciples. So he's out doing his thing that, you know, his celebrity, everyone knows him for like, he's doing all of these miracles, performing all these acts of kindness and his Jesus thing. And then she's, she gets to the, you know, seeing him carrying the cross and then Mary of Mag- Magdalene. Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, I was, I was traveling with the disciples and then uh, we never heard about you. And so it is like, so plausible that maybe he was <laughs> like, who the heck knows? And I think it's an interesting concept to grasp. And I think, I guess we'll kind of roll into like what we liked about this book. But I think for me, it's, when I'm taking Bible 101, what Bible 102, Jesus seems like this character of unattainability above all else, this man that is incredibly kind and incredibly caring and will stand up for anyone and is like not afraid of anything. And so you think, yes, he is all that. And then you're reading this and you're like, he's actually human. Like he grieves the loss of a daughter. He's intimate with a woman. Such an interesting glass to see him through. And that's what I just thought it was so refreshing. I've never ever read anything like it. Yeah, for me, very same. Reading the Bible, being in these classes, you are taught that Jesus was human, that he was just like us. But I think when 
you are like reading the Bible, he's just such an unattainable idea. We do get the personality, like we do know he's compassionate and he cared about all people. But I think this adds a third dimension to Jesus as a person. And I know this story isn't about Jesus, but from a Christian perspective, very much helped me see him as less of an idea and more of a person, like an attainable thing. I knew him almost. And I think that's like the magic of books is that we get introduced to characters and we feel like we know them. And I think oftentimes we're taught so much to dissect the Bible that it makes it incredibly difficult to relate him as a real person. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, because I think this book, you know, landed very well among a lot of different people because this book I'm like looking right now got 4.2 out of 5 on Goodreads. It got 4.5 out of 5 on Amazon out of 16,000 reviews. People are reading this and it's landing with like everyone because you could see, you know, devout Christians maybe getting a little offended while reading this and maybe seeing it as Jesus never had sex. Are you kidding me? (laughs) But I mean, like it's I think it's such a beautiful story because it's it's tackling a lot of interesting concepts of this time. I mean, you're tackling the mistreatment of women and you have the story of the young girl who gets her tongue cut out because of stupid reasons. And like you have Anna being able to tell her story and then you have Yaltha who gets, you know, her husband dies and who is awful to her, but then she ends up having to like move in with her brother and then she has to give up her daughter. And so it's like you have these stories of these women within this book that are heartbreaking but then you have this like through line of hope with Anna and Jesus and like kind of that story which I think I don't know it was just so beautifully like interwoven and gave you this same sense of hope but the same sense of like grief and you're tackling these hard subjects and you're feeling for these women but you also have this like great sense of hope because you know you know the ending of of Jesus's story and you know what happens and so I don't know it's kind of like conflicting feelings as I was reading this yeah and I think like a big thing for me was when with talking about like really feeling these feelings of different characters and these different stories I found myself even being like I'm telling you I was a girl back then and Jesus came walking up to me no wonder she fell in love with him I mean yes by chance I think think a lot of it was he was a better option but like I do feel like she really felt his heart and she was like oh, of course yeah I would fall in love with this man but like I even counted myself I was like messaging my friends I'm like guys might have a crush on Jesus <laughs> but obviously like this version of Jesus in the book but like easy to do and I just think that's again it brings that human aspect to him like yeah he was a man and he walked among us and I don't have any doubt that a lot of women who met him probably felt the same way because here's a society which oppresses women and then you have someone who believes in freeing women of that freeing marginalized individuals freeing people with disabilities really creating a world that is equal to everyone I mean how could you not fall in love with someone like that (laughs) Um, and you know like different forms of love as well like even if that's just friendship like you know his disciples loved him dearly and even in this I think it talked about how Anna's brother or in this so Judas loved Jesus as well he just was more involved in the rebellion or was more concerned with the rebellion than with his actions towards Jesus but still loved Jesus yeah I mean you could tell that like heartbreak when Judas is talking with uh, or sent even the sent the letter to Anna of just like you know I did this so that it would spark something 
Like I did this so that people would be outraged that Jesus was arrested. Like I did this so that people would actually take action because he holds so much power among these people and like everyone loves him and everyone gathers around him. And it's like, of course, if the Messiah is getting treated badly, they're going to rise up. And so it's like you kind of see from his point of view and you're like, get it. We don't, you know, condone it, but we get it. (laughs) And it kind of made that side of the story something that I I had never really understood before. And that was an interesting way to read it for me. And I think another thing that really gets me about this book is that, yes, it is about her relationship with Jesus, but also it's not. And I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think this goes for like any woman's journey slash story. When you're single and alone, you are 100% yourself. But I think like this comes, like I've heard so many women say this, that like once you get married or you have children, you kind of lose your identity and you become wife or you become mother. And I think that is like something that's really important in this story is that throughout this, there are times where Anna loses her identity. She becomes wife or right when she was giving birth, she became mother, right? And even like that grief of losing a child. And then, you know, later on when she starts to like separate from Jesus a little bit because their journeys just have them on two completely different paths. She becomes Anna again. And while she is, yes, a sister or a daughter, she still is Anna and she continues to follow her journey as well. And I, and I think that is the biggest point of this. This is her journey. This is her journey. And yes, she was the wife of Jesus, but what would a wife of Jesus look like? How would her story be her own and how would she be as an individual? And I think that's like such an important theme of this book. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's a section where it's shortly after they lose Susanna, Susanna, their daughter. And you know, they're grieving this loss and Anna's talking with Yaltha about it. And she's like, you know, I'll get pregnant again. I'll have another kid. Well, Jesus will get a chance to be a father. Like, this will be great. And then Yaltha just looks at her and she's like, that doesn't have to be your longing. Your longing doesn't have to be for your husband. It doesn't have to be for your kids. It can be for something greater than that. Like you can pour your mother, your like your mothering instinct into something else. What do you want to give birth to? What do you want to nurture? What do you want to raise? And in this case, for Anna, it was to tell the stories of the women that couldn't tell their own stories. It was to tell the stories of the women that were wronged. It was to give them a voice. It was to, you know, share the stories through generations and generations, generations. And so I just thought that was so powerful, especially in a society, like especially today, where we are starting to get to the point of like, you don't have to be just mother or you don't have to be just like have this job and work this job. You can do both simultaneously or you can be a stay at home mom and be a great mother or you cannot have kids and you don't have to get married and it doesn't have to be like we have to ostracize you you can choose your own path and it doesn't matter but like what stays the same is that deep feeling of longing what do you want to do with your life what do you want to kind of nurture and give life to and it's a lifelong commitment so what is that and so I thought that that was such a powerful scene in that moment I was just like oh that's Sue. (laughs) You're doing things to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I agree. There's just so many points throughout this story that just, uh, it really gets me. Like, uh, part of that is the fact that, like, Jesus didn't want her to stop, too. And I think that's, like, really important to the Christian aspect of this as well, to, like, as a religious aspect, is that Anna was blessed with these gifts, you know? She was blessed with a hand that could write these stories, a mind that could create these stories, And I believe there's a scene where Jesus was like, I really felt like that had happened. Like I was there and she's blessed with these gifts and he doesn't want her to stop. He actually goes out of his way to help her continue, even if it's for a little bit, because obviously it wasn't seen as quote unquote correct for women to do that back then to be scribes. But he calls her like little thunder, like, like her voice should be heard. Like she is a powerful voice while it is soft. It is also strong and powerful. He wanted her to continue to pursue these dreams of hers. He never wanted to stop her from pursuing her dreams. And I think in their relationship, there were times where they might have thought that their journeys were leading towards a different way and that they kind of grew and adapt with, adapted with that. But there were also times where he was just like, this is how it is. I want you to pursue your thing. I have to go and follow John the Baptist and do my thing. We'll meet again. Like, you're still my wife. Like, that doesn't stop this. But um, I think just... And then as soon as, you know, he kind of... Um, he dies and she ends up not even... I was very surprised actually at the end where she wasn't there to see him resurrected from the tomb. I was so surprised that that wasn't something that the author wrote that she would be there. She was actually somewhere else. And of course, like a few weeks later, she sees Jesus there in her, um, I guess her study or her room. And I thought that was unbelievably interesting as well. And what a beautiful way to wrap it up, but also pulled on my heartstrings so bad (laughs) because I wanted her to be there. Yeah, yeah. She goes and grieves the loss of her husband, yet you're you're, you're sitting there and you're like, no, he comes back. Just wait. <laughs> but again, I think, I think that had a lot to do with this story in general and how this author really wanted to tell that story. Because, you know, there are a lot of people who just believe that Jesus was a man and it was more or less like, I guess, like metaphorical, his resurrection. And I respect that. And I think that's kind of what this author was kind of getting at that it kind of left it open-ended so as to not like make this like a religious statement and it was a bit more metaphorical either way so like you could take it as 100% like if you believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected or if you believe it in a metaphorical sense I think that was really important and I think that creates um, something that can touch a lot more people and and a bigger audience than just just the Christians in this world yeah I mean I was gonna say that There's a lot of reasons why this does touch on things that, you know, you don't have to be a Christian or you don't have to believe in the story of Jesus to, you know, enjoy this book because it's telling about, it's telling about like life and grief and how to handle troubles. I mean, there's this quote that I absolutely love when Yaltha is talking to Anna again and it's after Jesus has left and she's has just finished the grieving of her daughter and she's like, I don't know where I'm going next. I don't know what is what is going to happen. And then uh, Yalta says, you know, all will be well. And then Anna gets upset. She's like, 
all is not well. I am not well. Like things are not good. And she goes, well, when I tell you all it all shall be well, I don't mean that life won't bring you tragedy. Life will be life. I only mean that you will be well in spite of it. All shall be well, no matter what. Come on. Like (laughs) that's like the most important lesson of life because you know, you hear that from people. It's like, all will be well. It's fine. Everything will be fine. And you're in those moments of grief and of, you know, depression, anxiety. And you're just like, it's not like, it's not good. And then you read something like this and you're just like, oh yeah, that, that hits a lot harder. <laughs> well, and I think even going further into that, like Anna watched Jesus be crucified. She was there. So even in that moment, she was not well. That was the love of her life. And, but, and, and, but also she continued. She wrote her stories. She became the person that she wanted to become. She told the stories that she wanted to tell. She lived in a community that helped grow her spirit and helped others grow their spirit and get their stories out there. And I think that was that was like one of the most important themes of this story is, yeah, not everything was okay, but she was okay eventually. And I mean, that's not to say that in life we'll be okay, but life will continue and we will continue on with it or we won't. And I really like that as a theme too. Yeah. And I think, you know, it touches on like the power of spoken word and the power of written word. I remember like she's saying a prayer and again, like you don't have to be saying this prayer to a God or to whoever you're believing in. There was another no it was it was this book i was like i'm getting all my books confused it was this book where they're talking to um yaltha's daughter and she talks about like i'm sorry i don't i don't worship your god like you're you know the god of the jews or whatever and she's like no it's okay um you know like i worship isis she talks about like they're like it's okay you know your prayer is going up to whoever is up there <laughs> like pretty much there's a bigger power here do we know what it is do we know who it is do we know you know, what religion it belongs to. Of course we don't. But you're throwing your prayers up somewhere and you're hoping and having that belief that someone is answering those. And so I think whether that's in spoken word, whether that's a written word, Anna's writing this prayer and she says, bless the words I write. May they be beautiful in your sight. May they be visible to the eyes not yet born when I am dusting these words over my bones. She was a voice. And it's like, I'm writing that everywhere. It's just this this idea that like, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. Be a voice of people who may not feel like they have one right now. Like lift, lift each other up, pray for each other, love one another. It's just like, there's a lot of universal messages in this book that doesn't have to be overtly religious. And it wasn't very preachy, at least not to me. It didn't feel very preachy. It didn't feel very like, I agree. Yeah. Honestly, like that, that kind of, that when she wrote, she wrote in her bowl, that to me spoke volumes. It's a hard punch to the chest. I mean, to kind of go off of that, like to be a voice and a lot of her voice journey was telling, like you said, the story of these women. And I think throughout this story, there's so much camaraderie with the women, Mary, Yaltha, um, Yaltha's daughter, just like all of these women and telling their stories and making sure that they are heard and seen, but also standing together and figuring these things out together, you know, helping her friend when her tongue was cut out and then finding her again and giving her a place to 
stay and somewhere safe and then taking her with her back when she was going back to Egypt, you know, like all of these things so unbelievably important and such a universal theme as well is that feminism, that standing up for one another as women and making sure that we're lifting each other up and listening to the each other's stories and making sure that these stories are heard. So that's another part I really liked about this. I really liked about this book. I found myself crying quite a few times. But like I said, like even as you were talking about like what she had written in the bowl, like I literally was, I'm not going to cry on this podcast. I swear to goodness. But it hits your chest like so hard. Like that's what I wish. I want to be a voice. I want to be a voice for people who don't have one. And it's not for like selfish reasons necessarily, although I do like to speak my ideas. But I think it's because of that camaraderie. I love that. Yeah. I think that Sue Monk also does a very beautiful job of of that theme of using your voice, but weaving it through different narratives and using it in different ways. So you have you have Anna who writes and you have her putting, you know, pen to paper. And then you have Tabitha, I finally remembered her name. Tabitha the um the gal that loses her tongue. And so she can't really talk, but she learns to use her voice through the lyre, through the like a, uh, you know, instrument that she's able to play and she's able to sing. And so you have you have that. And then you have Judas, who doesn't really know how to use his words. And so he enacts through actions, through violence, through trying to get their attention in that way. And that's how he uses his voice. And then you have Jesus on the other side, who's preaching to people and using and using his voice as a literal voice to spread the message of God and like doing all this stuff. And so you have all these different ways that people are using their so-called voice, but it may not look the same. And I think that that is so interesting because I just I remember I go back to I was writing a a story about a woman who opened up a safe house for young girls getting out of sex trafficking and she opened it up in San Diego and I was talking to the pastor of the church that was helping fund this um, safe house and I go like what can what can people do to help spread awareness of this project that's going on and help spread kindness and like this issue sucks like how can we help and if if you feel so helpless and he goes we have enough pastors in this world (laughs) like we have enough people trying to preach this message I need the tattoo artist who's just giving you a tattoo and having a good conversation and being an open ear. I want people like journalists who are going out and telling these stories and uncovering these wrong, like wrongful things that people are doing. I just need people in different aspects of life, any artists that are making this beautiful art that people can share. You know, we have enough pastors out there. We have enough people preaching this. So let's get other people who have different gifts and bring it all together. And I feel like this was like the book embodiment of what he was saying. Yeah. Now I almost feel like I need to reach out to him and be like, read this book. That's so true. I mean, I feel like I could go on and on, but I feel like I'm ready to give my final ratings unless you have anything, any last minute thoughts that you'd like to give. No, I mean, I don't think there was a part of this book that I really didn't like, except for her not being there when Jesus. But again, I like I said, I really do understand why it was important that she wasn't in like this story, in this story and how it can reach people from all different kinds of aspects of life without it being just a Christian book. Or, I mean, this is liter- this is a story about a woman who, you know, is strong and powerful and has a voice, but is constantly shut down, meeting the man who really, it, of the time, was just preaching kindness and love and 
trying to bring light to the wrongs of society. And then her continuing on in that journey, regardless of him, but also because of him in a lot of ways as well, and just continuing on. And so like, I completely understand why she decided not to just to put that in or to have her be there. So, you know, just to wrap it all up, I think this is a story for anyone who cares about people, who wants their voice to be heard, who believes that there is more in this world that we can be doing and that we can be sharing and trying to create a better world for everyone. So I think this is an everyone story. So yeah, I really just, just to kind of wrap everything up would love, I like would recommend this book to like literally anyone. Yep. I think that goes into, uh, into my final ratings as well. So I think I, I'll give it a five out of five. I genuinely, I've never read a book like it. It's like a completely unique concept and for someone like me has been very on and off with their faith and with with my relationship with God and Christianity and church, all these different aspects of it. This was like such a beautiful story that didn't feel like you said, it wasn't it didn't feel like a sermon. It didn't feel like someone was putting this in my face and being like, there's very underlying messages of the whole thing. Like it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like a really great feminist story that had a very cool storyline and that touched on a lot of things that I think are very important to people and that really cut deep and really is probably a book I'll come back to time and time again, just because it was so good. The story itself was so good, but like the characters were ridiculously well thought out and just the way that these women are supporting each other and the way that this kind of humanized this character that I had grown up with in my, you know, life while reading the Bible and while diving deep into these classes. I think it really just humanized this character for me and just even brought me closer to this. And so I, um, yeah, I'll give it a five out of five. I'll also, my last quote that I do want to leave it on is she said, uh, bless the largeness inside of me, no matter how I fear it. I'm telling you, I have quotes just like the length of my desk right now. I think I would give it a 4.5 out of 5. Like I said, I would recommend this book to anyone. It goes for Christians, non-Christians, people who are deconstructing their faith, who are reconstructing their faith. I think this is such a good example of the type of love we are to show others. And I don't think that's just a Christian idea. That is a human idea and a human experience that I think we all should be portraying this love, this kindness, this camaraderie for one another. So yeah, 4.5. And I would even go as far as to like reread it again. And personally, it made me feel so much more in touch with God. And just because I have been on that journey of deconstructing my faith and then reconstructing my faith. And I think this is like the tool that every kind of church should use because I feel like a lot of times it gets lost in translation that the biggest theme of the Jesus story is love. And it's so wonderful that that's not just a Christian experience, that's a human experience and that everyone can play off of that, you know? That was beautifully said. So let's get into our pairings. This was kind of a funny one to do pairings with, but uh, we'll try our best for our TV shows, books, and movies. I'm kind of going more off of vibe uh, than actual (laughs) plotline. 
Okay. I have a few. Some people, this might be a little bit, a little bit controversial, I guess. Um, I put down for a movie, Jesus Christ Superstar. It is a musical movie. <laughs> yes. A lot of people don't like it, which I don't really understand. I guess maybe because it's 70s, it's very hippie vibey, the songs. And like, again, I guess some people have a problem with Mary in this. I think in, I believe in Jesus Christ Superstar, it kind of hints at Mary Magdalene being in love with Jesus, which... Okay, so Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, for a book, I put Woman, Earth, and Creator Spirit. I read this in college. Uh, it's a little bit more of like talking about, if I remember correctly, it's been a little bit since I read it, how the Holy Spirit is more or less like the feminine to the masculine that is God, um, and kind of how that's uh, talked about a little bit in the Bible and kind of the the narrative of the Holy Spirit in, ju- in general. So I really like that. It's still like a very feminist aspect of Christianity. And I really enjoyed that. I also put, and this is for my TV show, uh, this more or less kind of has to do with the idea of taking a woman's story in history and talking about it rather than the male story in history. And that would be the Spanish princess. And that is about a teenage Catherine of Aragon and her um, marriage to both Prince Arthur, I believe, and then Prince Harry. With this book and with this TV series, I think women are often lost to history. So like I said earlier, if Jesus did have a wife, there's no way of us knowing. And that has a lot to do with the fact that women are often written out of history. We've lived in a patriarchy for centuries. We always hear about the male's perspective in history and very rarely do we hear a woman's perspective of history. So I thought that would be a nice pairing to go along with it. Mm, I love that. Those were very good. So you inspired me. (laughs) (laughs) So my movie is going to be Spencer. About Diana, Princess Diana. It is kind of somewhat fictional, but it's, you know, kind of taking that same feelings that she felt during this time and really just hones in on like the actual emotional journey that this woman had to go through. And it's intense. Like it's it it was a tearjerker for me. So like it really tells that, like you said, that story, that side of the, the narrative that we don't really get. And then my, um, I don't have a TV show, but I have another book, but, um, the color purple, but only the section where they're talking about God, because I think it's interesting. I'm taking that section hit me so hard when I read it in college, I had to reread it like probably three or four times because it resonated so well with me because it talks about this greater power being not just this unattainable figure, this unattainable thing. Like it talks about this almost God being this like feeling, so to say, out in the world. And like you are you are chasing that feeling of of letting go and seeing his creation and nature and having those doubts and having those questions, but working through them in this narrative. And I think it's, it's a really, really powerful message. And so if you have a chance to just like find that section that hit hard and it felt the same as I was reading this book where these doubts and these questions that I have in my mind are almost answered through these novels. And I think that that is, like you said, the power of reading. Like, this is why we do this. (laughs) (laughs) For drink? I would just go with the simple Merlot. A nice red wine, because, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. 
So water or wine? <laughs> Choice is yours. Yeah, you took the, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just gonna be like, uh, communion wine. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> just red wine. <laughs> grape juice. Gra- grape juice. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, Sierra, thank you so much for joining me. Um, this was probably one of my favorite episodes so far. So uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Loved being here. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye now. Bye. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you want more book-related content or you want to give us your hot takes, then you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. Hop onto our social channels and tell tell us what you thought of the episode and of the book. So until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.